Happy holidays. Welcome to a very special present-filled episode of The Legal Geeks. I'm here as always with my blogging partner, Joshua Gilliland. Hi, Josh. Hello, Jessica. And I'm also here with our very, very special friend of The Legal Geeks, Star Wars expert extraordinaire, Thomas Harper. Hey, Thomas, how are you? I'm doing great, and I promise that I will not desert like certain First Order Stormtroopers. <laughs> All right. Well, you can only be talking about the one, the only, the Finn. We are all here today to talk about Star Wars, The Last Jedi. We've all had a chance to see it. What? It has now been released. I think it is officially a week out. So telling everyone right now, if you want to listen to this podcast, be prepared for spoilers. So no complaints about spoilers. You've had a week. We're talking about all of it right now. So uh, let's get into it. Let's first, before we get into legal issues just kind of give our initial thoughts impressions about it i also want to hear how many times you guys have each seen it joshua how about you kick off uh, i've seen it twice so all right the, saw it thursday night with people from jpl and that was a lot of fun to actually see it with people who do work in space and <laughs> and everyone had their own comfort porg so that was that was a surprise <laughs> and it was a double feature with the force awakens and it was uh they had, they had a, about a 10 minute special in between the movies with john williams uh that had footage of them recording the original score back in 76 oh, wow. and then recording the the score for the last jedi and that was neat to see since the music to star wars is such a part of it uh inspires feelings and that really put it together. Then Friday night, saw it at the Arclight Hollywood in the Cynodome, and afterwards realized uh, from Instagram that Ryan Johnson was uh, working at the theater to help get <laughs> audience reaction. Oh, uh, and I was wondering, wow. it's like, did I walk by him? No, that couldn't have. No, no, I'm imagining that. <laughs> Josh is now waking up in cold sweats at night going, I missed my chance. That was him right next to me. It's just when people look like normal dudes and it's like people would recognize Spielberg. Like you'd recognize Lucas. You know, there some of the younger directors like, like him, people haven't seen them for 40 years. So they can walk around and still, you know, be under the radar. He looks like the kind of guy that would be in line for Ryan Johnson's autograph. <laughs> exactly. And I think he likes it like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's nice. All the perks without all the hassles of being famous. Yeah. I, I will, uh, I will say I have, I, I'll confess I've seen it four times so far. Wow. Um, yeah. I, you know, the, not to shill for it, but if, if any of you guys who are frequent moviegoers out there haven't taken a look at movie pass, I, I strongly encourage it. It's been a good deal for my wife and I, but got lucky enough to be on a, a work trip for the army last or yesterday and got to see it at the air and space museums, very fancy IMAX there. So that was excellent. Ooh, cool. You guys have both had neat viewing experiences. Wow. Ryan Johnston was not there, but the woman beside me did fall asleep like 15 minutes in and was just snoring very peacefully. So I was like happy and sad for her at the same time. Um, I really liked it. I just to encapsulate, I know we'll get more into it, but I, I liked it the first time around. I felt like I had just gotten off of one of the craziest roller coasters in a while. Wasn't sure where my head was at, but the next day saw it. And each time since then, I've liked it more and more. So I, I don't want to be a shill. I definitely have my issues with the movie, but I really liked it overall. See, and that's good to hear. I have to confess, I am a pathetic geek. I have only seen it once, and it wasn't until Saturday night because you cannot wait until three weeks beforehand <gasps> to buy your tickets. I know. I know. I should not even call myself a geek anymore. <laughs> so went to see it on Saturday night. Um, and, yeah, I have to say, and I have been already – having my mind changed a bit by Josh and by you a little bit in talking. Um, I was a bit underwhelmed. There were certainly things about it I loved, especially General Leia Ortega um, and some of the other kind of storylines and some of the characters. But I did just feel it was a bit long, and there were some things that I felt were kind of repeating what we'd seen before. But, again, there are also a lot of things about it that have really stuck 
with me. And so I do think my kids still want to see it. I never take them the first time I go to see a movie because I don't want to be distracted <laughs> on these important movies. So I'm going to go back to see it with them. And maybe now kind of having some of these points raised and getting another chance, I think uh, I may enjoy it more. Yeah. You can look at their faces uh, during the Snoke scene and just watch as like how they react to that whole sequence <laughs> of events. <laughs> there are a lot of moments where people gasp both times, a lot of applause both times that, that I saw it. I really enjoy it. You know, I, I left happy. Uh, you know, I felt like this is a good feeling. I, I was happy to see all of these things. And, and for me, it, it checked the boxes. You know, again, being a normal fanboy, I could point out, uh, no, I might not have agreed with something if I was the storyteller. But here's the thing. I'm a lawyer. I don't make movies. I don't write scripts. <laughs> so it's like, take my money. I'll go buy some porgs and toys and, you know, be grateful that we have these things that, that bring so many people happiness that people can have a holiday experience going to the movies with those that they love, which is what I really enjoy. You know, but if we want to talk about, I don't know, Jedi don't give up. Luke shouldn't have just gone to, you know, a remote island and just like dialed it in, waiting to die. Like that surprised me, but like I'm not going to like protest and burn Star Wars T-shirts over it because <laughs> it's like okay, they did a bold decision that people didn't expect. I respect that they were trying to do things so people wouldn't uh, see like a repeat of A New Hope. You know, he does the exact opposite that Obi-Wan Kenobi does on Tatooine. Oh, true. I, I went 180. Of, yeah. And it's like, hey, I'm done. <laughs> like, you know, I'm waiting yeah. to die. It's like, whoa. There'd be no melting down of your Luke Skywalker action figures, I take it? <laughs> no, no. No, I just, uh, because of what happens throughout the rest of the movie, it, it works. But, yeah. you know, Luke turning into a grumpy old man when we saw him in 1977 as the young idealistic, you know, I'll go blow up the Death Star and, you know, I want to get off this boring place. Like, I, I get that arc. And because yeah. he lived a long life and bad things happened and that wore him down. Uh, but allegedly Mark Hamill said in an interview, Jedis don't give up. So, like, you know, he, he did challenge Ryan Johnson he actually, Josh, I think after you and I talked about that um, and you brought that up, because I've never been, I've never honestly cared that much about Luke Skywalker. I was always much more interested in Darth Vader, Princess Leia, and Han Solo in that order. Um, Luke Skywalker was always kind of this, you know, he was whiny and then he was smug. <laughs> and So I was never a Luke Skywalker fan, although I must note, I adore Mark Hamill, especially on Twitter. I just love him, and he seems like a really great guy. But I, after we talked a bit about this Luke Skywalker kind of transformation, I did see that Mark Hamill has actually made several comments about yeah, he wasn't too comfortable. He was going to do his best. He was going to do what Ryan asked him to do, but he wasn't really comfortable with this kind of approach either. And I think he's he's walked that back a little bit. I, where I come from is is that the, the the path that they took Luke on isn't so completely out of character for me that it it breaks the story in any ways. It was absolutely unexpected, absolutely a twist that's you know down a road I don't think a lot of us predicted. But you know I think we got more value out of it that way. I think we saw Luke that, whose character had actually grown. Maybe it it grew out of you know, some despair in him falling down. But I think I would have felt a little hollow if we had gotten a movie where Luke is just like, you know what, let me grab my lightsaber real quick, warm up the Falcon and let's go fight the first order. I mean, I, you know, that would have been a fun movie and probably some great action scenes, but I, I don't think it would have made sense in the larger scheme of things. And, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want a good popcorn flick. I want a good Star Wars movie. And so this was still a good Star Wars movie to me. Well, and I do have to say, I think it did make that ending scene with him, which uh, at first when he and Kylo were battling, I was like, if you say, you know, if you strike me down, I'll only become stronger. <laughs> I was going to walk out. But actually kind of the twist reveal at the end um, yeah. and the astral projection that he was able to do, I did feel like that was even kind of more of a big payoff given sort of the grumpy, I'm going to sit here on my island and sulk kind of thing. Um, the fact that he did sort of do that and it was some sort of 
I don't know, kind of resolution um, that allowed him to move beyond or whatever it was. Um, I thought that actually was very impactful. Oh, totally. And I thought that the encapsulation, so Kylo, and I don't want to get, you know, too, too far into the weeds here, but, uh, you know, I, Kylo has gone down this pathway out of a desire for pure unbridled power. I mean, that's, that's that look that he gives to Snoke's empty throne. And as he marshals the forces there, he is, he is intent on gobbling up all, all things Sith, right? He's, he's consolidating his, uh, his powers and he sees himself as the heir apparent. Luke comes in and by doing this astral projection, the very thing that he told Ray would kill her if she was trying to do it. He showed Luke or he showed uh, um, Kylo that he's transcended this level by doing, not by any kind of violence, but by his, uh, his connection to the force, a level that Kylo will never achieve through violence. And what does he say right at the end of that, that sequence? See you around kid. He gives him that like pat on the head. Like you're still a little boy. I have gotten, you will never get to this level on the pathway that you're on. Ooh, see, that was cool. I'm going to have to go back and watch it. I think I will appreciate some of that more if I go back and see it again. Yeah. The only thing missing was like a little noogie. He just like puts him in there. <laughs> I guess it would be a force noogie because it would be projected, but still. It, it was the ultimate smackdown, you know, talk down to the out of control emo punk. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's so he's so consumed that he doesn't he doesn't notice that the clear signs that Luke is not there. I mean the the salt isn't moving around on the ground, the ash isn't landing on Luke and sticking to his clothes and hair, and he's using the wrong a lightsaber that just blew up in front of Kylo. So I don't know. It could also be a consistent lightsaber design, but uh, the the just for Jedi you know hair coloring that that went in. Should have also been a, 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 a tip off. It's like, wow, you haven't aged since I last seen you. I think you need to uh, look into patenting that product there, getting a, getting a copyright, something along those lines. Just it does seem that. like a growth area as Star Wars fans <laughs> age. <laughs> Have Luke Skywalker's hair, even at sixty. Just for Jedi is the only product I use. <laughs> Uh, and you've got all the perfect like names out there for the colors. You get your Chewbacca natural brown, <laughs> your Vader black. <laughs> I think you've really tapped into something. I just, it's a skill I have. I am a visionary that way. So. <laughs> well, so let's talk about some of the legal issues that we've seen. Um, Josh, you want to lead us off? Yeah, let's uh, let's talk about. I, I think the big one that that kicks it off, and that's. Supposed subordination nearly destroys the entire resistance twice. The entire reason that they, they can fit in the Millennium Falcon is because of him. Yeah. On two instances. So, uh, Thomas, you're the JAG officer. <laughs> Would the Admiral have been right to have had Finn, or excuse me, had Poe shot or thrown in the brig or some way to keep him from messing things up? Because that's some serious insubordination. Yeah, this is going to be really like uh, as if this wasn't a nerdy enough conversation to admit that I, when uh, there was talk of mutiny, C-3PO is like, I, you know, I can't be a party to a mutiny. You know, my ears perked up and I was like, oh boy, they, they just said a legal thing. But, uh, no, there, there actually is in the, the UCMJ, there is a, uh, an article for, for uh, the crime of mutiny, right? So it's very specific. There's also a crime for dereliction of duty. Uh, which is totally separate. So that's the idea that you're either disobeying. Uh, dereliction is specifically the crime of not doing something to the degree that you're supposed to do it. Um, separate and apart from that would be disobeying a direct order. So Leia as a general is his superior officer. And he may not have liked her order to, to get back to the, the Radis, their cruiser and retreat, but it was his duty as a junior officer to, to turn that ship around. And while it might be mitigation evidence that or you know, in his sentencing, I guess, that uh, that they were able to blow up that dreadnought, that's a pretty cut and dry crime. There's not a, a it's not a defense to say, hey, we, you know, we won the day by blowing up this big military target. Right. So I think he's in some trouble there. And you saw the consequences. Right. Leia doesn't really give him due process, but she just strips him of his rank, which in, in the real world, um, officers can't be demoted, but it's 
there's a reason for that. It's seen as a really significant punishment. Well, that <clears throat> there was the slapping issue, which she was right that's to true. do it, but that's, uh, uh, that's that's the patent issue. If she would get into trouble for that, <laughs> <clears throat> but he did earn that because of the number of people he got killed. Yeah, that right. did more than the demotion ever did. <laughs> so huge, huge issue there because it's like <clears throat> he should not have engaged. They should have turn tail and run because this is an issue of survival. They can't win a war of attrition because there's not enough of left of them because they keep losing people left and right, which is why there's a handful left and they got one ship. Not a good plan. Like that's not a winning strategy to take on Neo space Nazis that seem to be recruiting left and right. So huge problem with that. Yeah. Uh, And pose. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, you first. I, I was going to say, Poe seems to have this bigger problem, and, and Jessica, I was going to see what, what you thought about this, but he's a little chauvinist creeps out in him. He does not seem to like uh, women's orders, and, and clearly he has a longer history with Leia, but um, it's not till the very end that he finally comes around and, and listens and realizes there's a bigger plan in place. I know what, what your thoughts were on that, Jessica. Yeah, I am... Um... You know, I do appreciate some of the messages, especially in this one about that. Obviously, 2017, that's top of mind. And I think most women in the workplace can probably relate to the frustration of feeling like they are not even heard by, you know, the men they are working with, much less, yeah, their orders being followed or, you know, the men in the workplace sometimes thinking that they do not have to take a woman's directions or input as seriously. So yes. So obviously <laughs> that was something I could relate to. And, uh, I did like, I well, obviously did not like his, uh, how he handled it, but, um, I did appreciate, uh, you know, that he eventually was shown to be completely wrong. I think I would have handled it a little bit differently. I actually felt like, you know, Leia was a bit too tolerant of him. Right. So, right. That, you know, and I get the whole, you're a small ragtag band and you know that his intentions are good and all of that. But it is also tough. You're like, look, you need to be following my orders. So I have found that, you know, you need to be much more direct at times. But um, I, uh, I, you know, I love Oscar Isaac. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you're as a movie fan, yeah, as a movie fan, it's hard, but yes, I'm like, I, you know, during those scenes, I was like, Oh God, it is so frustrating, but yeah. So I appreciate it. I'm sure that made some people mad, but I appreciated Star Wars kind of slipping in that message. Yeah. Cause he so. does it twice, you know, yeah. first time around it's with Leia and he's just, I don't know if he feels too familiar with her or what the issue is, but that's not okay because he gets a ton of people killed. And the second time around, it's it's with Admiral what, Holden or Holdo. Holdo. I, it's like she clearly knows what she's doing, and she's miffed at him. Yeah. She would have been, Go ahead. I, she she could have thrown his ass in the brig because it's like I don't trust you. You're clearly a problem. We can't have you running around, and we have no spaceships left for you to fly to go blow stuff up, so you're going to sit in the brig until we need you. And that would have kept the resistance alive. There was a, you know angry staff um, officer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had an article, I don't remember what it was published in today, uh, where he outline some of the problems that they had and and the ad if the admiral had at least clued uh poe in on her plan he might not have caused the issue with finn and rose going off on the side mission that literally could have destroyed all of the resistance finishing off the job from earlier well and i i don't know i didn't read that article but i it it smacked to me of the classic case of why sort of classified information is kept compartmentalized and this is a whole separate area of the law but there's a reason why there is a need to know with a lot of this stuff and you know regardless of Poe's skill behind the 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 flight stick of an x-wing Holdo saw him as a liability right she chose to keep that information from him and you saw exactly why they keep this information close hold the the two people that knew about it Rose and Finn ended up talking about it you know, 
leaking that information to DJ, Benicio Del Toro's character. And what did he do with it? He sold it to the First Order, and then they lost even more people, um, you know, as the First Order opened fire on the transports. And so that I was think- frustrating, actually. And, and would that yeah. be a separate cause of action? The fact, I mean, first of all, Finn and Rose technically were involved in the mutiny, right? I mean, a yeah, I think Poe was doing. I think they- there's some accomplice liability there. But then also the fact that they did have this classified information and mm-hmm. the fact that they were just like willy-nilly spilling this in front of somebody who is clearly at the very least an amoral character, if not complete out-and-out criminal. Um, I was like, you know, that's the sort of thing that, again, is often a movie device where people are more careless than hopefully they would be in real life to keep the plot going. But that was a really frustrating kind of moment. I'm like, that was... Uh, you know, I would say that's reckless, right? Like you knew or should have known that was going to be a problem. Oh yeah, absolutely. You talk about like aggravation evidence. I I wrote that article right before the the movie came out, the case against Finn. It was like from the first order perspective, but I think Finn, (laughs) Finn like rapidly compounds his legal troubles in this one. He's got, he's now faced with desertion from both sides of the aisle. And then you're absolutely right. He's got uh, he's looking at a separate offense there for mishandling classified information with some substantial aggravating evidence behind it and the effects. And uh, yeah, that was like that was very frustrating to me because it was very clear they didn't share with DJ this entire plan. He overheard a lot of it as they were talking in the prison cell and, you know, sells him out the first chance he gets. I think there's more to DJ's character than we've seen yet, but you know, at least on the on face value, I, I would be pretty upset at Finn. So the moral of the story is if Poe just didn't have an issue trusting older women who have more experience and knowledge than he does, none of these bad things would have happened. Yeah. It's well, actually I, I, a general I, I, philosophy and rule in 2017. <laughs> <laughs> on behalf of all of us older, wiser women, if you would all just listen to us. <laughs> It's funny because he's, you know, I, I really do wonder whether Poe would have had the same reaction if it was like a salty male admiral that had taken over. But, you know, he looks at his his wingman and he's like, that's Admiral Holdo, like Battle of Chiron Belt Admiral Holdo and can't quite put the, the two together. You know, she's got purple hair and a dress on and whatnot. But I, I thought, you know, for those of you out there that read the Leia, of Prince, Leia Princess of Alderaan book, that's where... Holdo's character is introduced as a teenager and she's very much like the Luna Lovegood from Harry Potter style where she seems aloof and like she's not really dialed in and paying attention to things and then it turns out she's got a bigger plan behind the curtain and I thought like she of all the characters that came from other you know books and stuff they nailed her character perfectly because that's exactly what's going on here she's got a bigger plan she just doesn't want to share it with Poe um, and she doesn't have to, right? That's no, the no, military. Absolutely. Yeah, he doesn't absolutely. Have any right to it. No, and he certainly doesn't. It doesn't give him a right to to draw down on her and and instigate a mutiny. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, she should should have thrown his rear end in the brig mm-hmm. where he belongs because he's just good at getting people killed. He picked a poor place to spring the mutiny, doing it on the hangar deck in front of a lot of witnesses. <laughs> But, you know, that's, that's for a, a confidential discussion with the defense counsel. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, and, and Leia and, and the Admiral's discussion with like, I like him. I think she would. <laughs> you know, I could see, yeah, he's cute, but that's where it ends. And mm-hmm. yeah. I'm not going to keep eye candy who's dangerous around. So he's like their one pilot now. They've got like one pilot, maybe one or two infantrymen, and then like four technicians and C3 and that's the resistance. Oh. Yeah. Well, and BB-8, who apparently yeah, is all cute and adorable, true. it is also, like, superhuman. Like, you know, R2-D2 could kind of save Luke and Leia and Hans, but, but BB-8, he's like, I can basically take on everyone by myself. I'm going to go, you know, do everything, blow everything up. So BB-8 is quite impressive behind that adorable little exterior. Great little droid, and as Leia said in Force Awakens, like never underestimate a droid, and he's he's good to go. He's very good to go. Uh, but yeah, Poe is responsible for a lot of dead Resistance members. He he did more damage than the First Order did. 
maybe Poe will actually experience some remorse and regret in the next one because that was kind of one thing at the end where they're just like, oh, they're in the Millennium Falcon together. And I'm like, first of all, Leia, at some point, don't you have to be beat down by the constant loss? I mean, you know, your son, yeah. now your brother, all of that. But also then they're, I'm like, Poe, like you are single-handedly not, but I mean, yeah, you are so responsible for all this. Shouldn't you be feeling a little bit bad right now instead of just kind of arm in arm <laughs> with your compadres? So I'm so happy I didn't get you killed too. It's- <laughs> <laughs> Ray and Finn, you guys survived. That you're the only ones I actually care about. <laughs> because we weren't here. That's how we're yeah. alive still. <laughs> I mean, at least he realizes while doing a frontal assault again, because, hey, that didn't work on Hoth, so let's do it again. <laughs> Don't attack Adats head on. I mean, yeah. Hell, we learned in Rogue One, if you shoot them from the side, they fall down and die. <laughs> do that. <laughs> Try that. Put out landmines. There's stuff that you can do to to at least deal with a frontal assault coming at you, but to charge at it head on as opposed to the side or anything. But, but it looks so cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, there's a reason why, you know, Horatio Nelson, when he came up with the memorandum maneuver, which was crossing the T, that it was radical because. <clears throat> I'm going to use my hands for those who are listening on a podcast, but basically (laughs) the attacking ship is the top of a capital T and they're able to fire all their guns at the the bow of another ship that doesn't have guns facing forward in the days of sailing battleship. They would have some weapons facing forward. Like that was revolutionary in 1804. Uh, in 1797, I think was the first time he did it. But that's not important right now. It shows that Poe had no ability to think strategically to come yeah. up with a plan. Everything was a brute force assault. We'll have the slow-moving bombers that are just giant explosive targets fly directly at a treadnought. All of them. All of them. It's just like, dude, learn. This, 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 was, this was a long time ago. So perhaps <laughs> space Horatio Gates had not come along. And... No. Ah, good stuff. Good stuff. Well, let's crossing. Go ahead. <laughs> oh. We're crossing streams like Star Wars and Navy jokes here. <laughs> yeah, well, you know they they did that at least in the prequels. It looked like two, uh, you know, uh, ships of the line slugging it out over Coruscant, mm. but. <laughs> Uh, and anyway, let's uh, let's pivot and talk about workplace bullying because uh, Hux gets smacked around in a bloody nose first by Snoke, and and then uh, 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 Kylo Ren has has you know a few choice moments as well. So Jess, your thoughts on those issues? Yes, well, it's tough, obviously, because, you know, you couldn't wish that kind of workplace bullying on a guy more deserving than Huck. So (laughs) on the one hand, obviously, it's very emotionally satisfying. But, yeah, you certainly, um, you know, cannot be creating that kind of hostile work environment, although you would have to show, I guess, that there was some protected class there that um, he was being bullied on. I mean, obviously, a lot of workplaces will have just general anti-bullying kind of rules, but, you know, in general, bullying can still be allowed and still is often allowed in a lot of workplaces, absent a specific rule or absent some showing that, you know, you're bullying them because of, I don't know, maybe Snoke is picking on him because he's a human and you could argue that that's a protected class there and Snoke is biased against humans or not. Tasty redheads. Yes, exactly. Maybe it's because he's a ginger. Um, so anyway, so yeah, you'd have to show for it to be actionable, of course, that there was some kind of uh, protected class going on there. Because I don't think Snoke would institute an anti-bullying um, kind of policy. I don't think that's he seems really cool with physical assault in the workforce. <laughs> well, yes, that's true. The physical assault, yes. That there is obviously always criminal um, charges that you could bring for that. So yes. How's your wound? At least he asks. <laughs> it's like, it's like, oi, that is. <laughs> He's a mean man. 
<laughs> well, and then actually, too, I realized I, I forgot that Kylo then did it, right? Kylo basically pulled the Darth Vader move of the whole I'm going to mm. choke you from across the room kind of thing. Um, so, again, that is uh, assault. Well, battery. Well, that battery. He, Kylo also throws Hux into one of the panels in their uh, shuttle as well. Yeah. I mean, he, it's like in Three Stooges, you know, scene with them. <laughs> Yeah. Except it's Hux getting beat up a lot. And you know what? I don't blame him for getting ready to shoot Kylo while he's down. <laughs> that probably would be good for the First Order. Like, it's like, we're going to have stable leadership now. Bang. I just, lo- I just love that moment where Kylo wakes up and Hux is just like, what happened? <laughs> like bodies and pieces of Snoke everywhere. <laughs> Interesting. So the, the military, at least the, the army handles, um, you know, workplace bullying, that type of stuff a little differently. Um, oh. you, know, you often see there's not such a thing as a, a protected class or whatever, but there's, there's actually a criminal offense um, under article 93 of cruelty or maltreatment of subordinates. And so it's, it's a way to hold uh, it's a criminal offense, but you can also, the great thing about the UCMJ is that it can be used administratively against someone as well. So yeah, you could be charged with, with maltreating poor general Hux, but you could also have, you know, your, your employment affected administratively. I mean, you know, whether that's, uh, you know, effectively getting fired from the army, so to speak, or uh, being reprimanded, having your career and your career progression impacted. Not that, I mean, Snoke's at the top. So that, We'll, pick, we'll picture him as like the four-star general nothing's going to happen to him but like you know i like if if we're kind of cramming this this round peg into a square hole um you know i could see like him being forced to retire or, or step out of that position i mean you see superior officers all the time that come under investigation and, and their careers get kneecapped for um toxic leadership i i, th- I think it's safe to say that uh, if you look in the deck, uh, the dictionary at toxic leadership, Snoke, a little picture of him, <laughs> full, not cut in half, but a full picture of him. <laughs> he appears right there. So, <laughs> well, that is interesting too, and I could see the military having that criminal standard because, I mean, obviously, in the workforce outside of the military, there is always economic power, right? It's often very difficult to leave a job, so there is that kind of economic power, but there is actually a lot more power that superiors have over subordinates in the military because of kind of the unique situations you guys are in. So it does make sense yeah. that you have to put in place stronger than. Um, I guess what kind of uh, preventatives to make sure that there aren't oh, yeah. abuses of those powers. Yeah. When, well, if you've never been in the environment, the, the combination of rank and positional authority are very powerful motivators, right? I mean, if you're, if I'm a captain and I go to a young private and an 18 year old and tell him to do something, it could be a perfectly lawful order. It could be, Hey, I want you to go dig all of the rocks out of the, the roadside there. And then, carry them across one by one and put them on the other side of the road doesn't mean it's not cruel and you know maltreating them and so yeah, yeah it's it's got to be it's sort of like a what's the phrase the sort of damocles that hangs over you when you've got any kind of authority you gotta watch your actions yeah well now we can go into a whole a few good men kind of thing here in jack nicholson <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole nother movie we'll have to we'll have to talk to you about oh, yeah. sometime and are you tom cruise but it's, we'll it's save that docu- for later that's a documentary for those who are- <laughs> <laughs> you know, thinking of the first order i haven't read any of the books mm-hmm. i've listened to podcasts that have talked about the books and it sounds like the first order really isn't a government it's a political movement mm-hmm. and how it was funded is don't fully understand how they were able to to do the recruiting and, and build the ships and all that good stuff. Masters. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but it's like neo-Nazis, you know, like they're, they're not the Nazi party of Germany, but it's like, Hey, wasn't it cool when we were waging war across Europe? Don't you miss those days? And that's <laughs> kind of what the, the first order represents of, Hey, we missed those good old days when we had an empire and we could blow up planets and everyone was terrified of us. Let's do that again. And yeah, how many planets were quickly trying to fall in line and were they actually trying to govern? Because this had to be a, a couple hours after 
the destruction of yeah. Starkiller Base. So both the Republic had a cap- decapitation strike, but the First Order had significant losses as well. And yeah. I don't, I don't know how big their fleet is. I don't know what kind of damages they they are sustained uh, personnel wise because of you know the ramming, which still was one of the coolest scenes in the movie. Yes, oh, yeah. uh, but they could not be in a strong position either <laughs> because of uh, they've had horrific attrition and a decapitation strike of their own. They could not be in a strong position to go forward. That's true. Now they have a deranged madman in control instead of just an evil madman in control. I, I think between the Hana side and everything else, we can say that Kylo is evil. And I enjoyed the fact that they gave up on trying to redeem him. It's like, no, my son is gone. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. So uh, interesting fact here. I'm like looking away. You- you guys that are listening can't see this, but I'm I'm cheating here. I've got my visual guide to the Force Awakens open, <laughs> and uh, according to the res- according to the guide, the Resistance counted at least thirty Star Destroyers uh, pursuing its fleet. So those four ships that are fleeing for Crate, they had about thirty. So I think we saw just a fraction of those. I don't know how many were destroyed when the Radis went to hyperspace, but. Um, yeah, so that's that's a pretty sizable amount, and I think uh, I don't know that they've gone after political control yet. And I think in the opening crawl, it says they're they're Snoke is trying to take military control, and then um, Ray is talking to Luke about how systems are about to fall to the First Order in pretty quick order. But that, I, Josh, to your point, I think that matches up well. I, you know, whether it's the Nazis obviously rose to power a little bit differently, but you know. Think of your average, uh, you know, historical dictatorship. You're sweeping in in a military coup, take out the the current leadership, and what's the easiest way to power up, apart from getting elected? I guess, um, you know, sweep in with the biggest guns. It sounds like 1917 in the in Russia and mm-hmm. in the creation of the Soviet Union, which, if that's what they're doing, cool. But it, it's nice to know what can we compare this to because. It's not yet a government. It's a well-funded and big ideology that's trying to take control. Well, in some ways, I mean, I don't know how doom and gloomy to get, but in some ways it reminds me sort of of like an ISIS or something, right? Where it's the remnants of the Republic Guard, for example, in Iraq joining together. They're kind of this military political organization but i mean one of the issues and i'm not an expert on anything in the middle east but one of my issues or one understand i have is they isis didn't have a home base right i mean they were and that's obviously what they were trying to establish and so i would assume with the first order or something like that at some point they're going to need to have some sort of home base i mean i could see this maybe in that they're being kind of a civil war which planets line up with leia well or no, whoever will take her place. That dedication at the end, by the way, made me tear up. But mm-hmm. um, you know, who will take uh, who will take the side of the resistance versus which planets will line up with the first order to give them the resources and the home base and all that they need. I I, I think that is absolutely on point that that description because I think the way I the simplistic way to to look at ISIS is. They looked at uh, all these other organizations, and they are the ideologically pure ones. They are the ones that mm-hmm. say, we have uh, what all these other organizations have become watered down and have ignored. So Al-Qaeda, you guys are just posers at this point. You, you guys aren't, are off the true path. We um, have, have the true path that is, is you know, uh, required for our religion. And in a lot of ways, while the First Order isn't really a religious-based organization, um, they see themselves as the core of the empire, right? So when the First Order was first created, the emperor had sort of pre-selected certain imperials to survive his little contingency plan after, um, after the after the Battle of Endor and Return of the Jedi. And so he's stripping it down to this core and now reborn, they see themselves as the true heirs, the ones that are, you know, hey, the Empire got bloated. They got away from what they were truly there to do. Um, we're the leaner, meaner versions of them. So I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. Something that uh, 
our friend political consultant Jerry O'Brien raised was how weak the Republic is after the events of Return of the Jedi and, and what they founded over 30 years, that there's nothing left after, you know, after the hit by um, Starkiller Base and that no one is coming to the aid of uh, General Leia. And, and I have mixed feelings on that because multiple planets were destroyed in the Hosnian system. Mm-hmm. It's not like this was a bloody nose. It was billions of people wiped out in a blink. And that, um, in, in 35 years had passed. So you're talking two generations. Uh, so you're not talking the mainline fighters, you know, might be some of the people in charge. But you have two generations that grew up without war, without the conflict, and that had relative peace. Yeah, They might not be... I was gung ho to go fight because uh, they, they don't understand the threat, and yeah. they aren't. They aren't. There's a there's a novel bloodline that I highly recommend by Claudia Gray that centers. It's about it's a few years before the Force Awakens, but that that is the exact center of the book, which is you know they they don't understand the threat that's faced. It it shows the, the the book at the end shows the birth of the Resistance, but that fleet that got destroyed above Hosnian Prime. That was a small fleet. I mean, that, that that was a fraction of the size of anything that existed, you know, post Return of the Jedi. Uh, there had been a big uh, arms drawdown as part of the the peace accord that was reached with the the Empire uh, a couple years after the uh, Return of the Jedi events. And so, what you saw there was a very intentional scale down of their military because they thought peace was the way and it worked out for a couple decades and, and people grew complacent in Leia's eyes. And so that's why the resistance was born. And again, going back to history, that is frequently a problem, right? Is that people underestimate uh, how great a threat or how evil a threat can be until it's too late and horrific things happen. I, I have a wonderful issue of life magazine from November, 1940, talking about the strength of the Pacific fleet, how our battleships were unstoppable and great photos of the USS Arizona underway swinging out her guns. Oh yeah. And it's like, you look at this just like, damn, they were so wrong. And, Uh, and, and you're exactly anybody that says that it wasn't realistic for the Republic to have all their ships parked above Hosnian prime needs to go right back to that, that year. Yeah. Yeah. It's, make it nice, easy, sitting targets, just waiting. Uh, Just by the grace of God, our carriers were out to sea and the submarines were out doing exercises or else we would have been really screwed. Uh, And and you had Ben Affleck, uh, who was also in an airplane fighting. (laughs) You know, with his Hawaiian shirt, just ready to go. (sighs) Save your Oscar. Uh, that's not remember that point. time he almost blew up the uh, asteroid I do <laughs> he's given everything to this country to include becoming Batman so oh. we, he, he is owed a presidential medal of freedom <laughs> oh, happy place happy place I, one uh, other issue that I want to address that's actually not in the movie but I was reading that it had been removed and I think what I think it's Ryan saying that the DVD will have like an extra 20 to 30 minutes of the kind of the director's cut hmm. but you know one thing uh, that I felt was that Captain Phasma after all kind of build up and she's got the cool outfit like she was barely in A Force Awakens and then she was in this one a little bit more but not much so I felt there was like a lot of hype without payoff and that scene, the battle with uh, her and Finn also seemed a bit abrupt. And I was reading that apparently originally it had been, you know, after he kind of hits her helmet and you can see her eye, Finn then turns like, I guess seven or eight stormtroopers come up and Finn tries to convince them to basically desert as well. And hmm. I guess the last thing Phasma does before she, uh, her support breaks away and she descends into the flames is she shoots the stormtroopers because I guess they're thinking of deserting. So, which then made me think of, as I read about World War II and Dunkirk this um, summer leading up to the movie, and they're talking about how the British, as they were retreating and trying to put up lines of defense so that they could wait on the beach, apparently some of the British soldiers who were told, like, you defend this line, some of these British soldiers were like, you're out of your mind. I'm getting out of here. There's a whole bunch of Germans coming at us, and they tried to desert, and the other British soldiers would actually shoot them in the back. 
And mm-hmm. so that whole, I'm like, this is, I'm like, I am not cut out for the military. <laughs> if that's the sort of thing. So can you do that? Can you shoot somebody who's going to be deserting? Uh, n- no, I don't think there's a, uh, a provision for that. Oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe that's just I mean, in World War II. That sounds very, very Soviet-esque, very yeah. Soviet army. The, the scene that always comes to mind is in Enemy at the Gates about the Battle of Stalingrad, where they're just you know, they get up their little Vickers machine gun and just mow down the retreating Soviet troops. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I don't think they would do that. I, I was a little disappointed. I, I love the, the hand to hand battle. I read the, the Phasma book, which is very, very good. I, I feel like I've said all the books that I've referenced are actually good. I'm not just the shill for everything. <laughs> Star Wars. But um, yeah, so it paints her, you know, in a, in a particular light. I thought they stayed true to her character, but I was like, as she fell into the fire, I was like, she better not be dead. <laughs> <laughs> Good, maybe she'll survive. Yeah. A couple things. First off, she's had more action and lines than Boba Fett ever did. And this is true. And has done more. So with the way that people love Boba Fett, and there are many. I know. (laughs) She's actually earned her keep. Two, her armor could reflect blasters. Yeah. She might have been able to survive the fire on the flip side. All right. She could have been cooked like a lobster. So. Steamed alive. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I thought about tweeting out fake spoilers. (laughs) <laughs> and, you know, and saying like, I'm so glad that uh, Phasma was Sindel Tawani from uh, the Ewok Adventure <laughs> Battle for Endor, but decided not to fan the fires. <laughs> yes, that's too close to the line. You're risking your life with that stuff, Josh. I convinced both of my brothers-in-law that there was a post-credit scene that they had missed. <laughs> <laughs> that had, that had you. And both are very big Star Wars fans. But I was like, man, you know, we're tweeting or we're texting back and forth. I was like, man, I cannot believe that end of credit scene. They were like, wait, what? And I was like, oh, Ewan McGregor was in it. And it was just like, <laughs> one of them, I had to text him. I had to text and just end it very quickly because one of them was on his way out the door to go watch it. And he was just going to like sit in the front row by a last <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Oh. Would have been cool, but <laughs> it's wow, boy howdy. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about uh I just I just blogged about this. Did Luke Skywalker have a duty to rescue the galaxy from the first order? Hmm. Given uh, that but for his training of Kylo Ren they wouldn't have been there. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's the idea. You have to. If he has a duty, you're saying that if he has a duty to save them, it's has, he has done something. So, but for his actions, um, so it's kind of a tort sort of responsibility here or duty. Yeah. And because he trained Kylo, or because he created Kylo, because he he mm. was, you know, I, you know, Luke failed the "Would you kill baby Palpatine?" test because he realized <laughs> that uh, that his nephew was going to be, you know, super bad. And he he could have done the, you know, tell me about the Ewoks, Lenny. But instead, he, um, you know, he decided not to put his nephew down, which was the right call. Because we don't have preventative murder, because that's still murder. So we don't do <laughs> that. Not minority report yet, yes. We don't do that. Uh, counseling would have been a good call. Not turning on the lightsaber would have been a good call. And, you know, if you just woke him up and said, like, hey, we really need to talk, that would have been the preferred <laughs> course of action. But, you know, he did inadvertently create Kylo Ren. Um, the, the issue then is, you know, would that create a duty that, to go out and save the galaxy from him? I would argue, I have not read your post yet, I would argue that Snoke is an intervening cause, that Kylo Ren on his own, while he could have been a pain in the, you know, a thorn in the side of Leia, he may still have gone and killed Han at some point, just to prove a point, Um, without Snoke, it was really Snoke that did the First Order. I mean, yes, eventually Kylo killed Snoke and took over, but if Kylo hadn't been Kylo, Snoke would have still been there and still alive and thriving. So I would argue that Snoke's an intervening cause that ends Luke's obligation to save the galaxy. 
was his force vision there the equivalent like he you know he was foreseeing all the death and destruction that he caused i mean you know i know we're not debating the decision to kill him or not but yeah i wonder if he failed in a duty there but he should have hit. Yeah. <laughs> that's why he's on acto he's trying to duck service for a lawsuit <laughs> Well, those processors are good. <laughs> the other, there, there are a couple other things with you know, could Leia? Did he owe the duty to Leia to come back? Oh. Mm. And that gets into I, I could see two issues. One, he did fly off to Octu with an X-wing. Was did he get a surplus X-wing? Was he given it at the end of his tour of duty? Uh, was he ever in the Republic military? Because a lot of, like in the United States, we have the right to recall service members if they're retired to b- bring them back. Yeah, you don't get to fly home with your F-18 when you're done. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you don't, you don't, I'm mad. I'm leaving and I'm taking my jet with me. Yeah, that it doesn't work. I got a really long driveway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, I mean, like there were the World War II vets who like would then go out and like buy their P-51 decades later. It's like, okay, cool. But um, that's not yeah. normal uh, type of situation. So I uh, – very interesting. So, so there could be a, a right to recall him back into service from that. The other is he is a Jedi, Guardians of Peace. <laughs> they, it sounds like he's like ignoring his duties as a Jedi Master to take on the First Order. Or, I yeah, if you he, want to go back that – oh, sorry, Thomas, you go ahead. No, already. no go for it. Well, I was going to say, I mean, if you want to go back that far, you could argue – and I actually like that point when he was being grumpy old man, talking about, you know, the Jedi at the height of their power did not see and could not prevent the rise of Darth Sidious, right? So I'm like, if you want to go back that far and be like, if you freaking Jedis had done your job, none of us would be here in the first place. There you – I could see building the duty case from that. Yeah. Although I think to an extent you could make the argument that he does come back and while we haven't seen how it plays out, I think he is on the path to fulfilling his duty. It, it might not be in the traditional sense of picking up his laser sword and you know slicing and dicing, but I think he made that sacrifice for a reason. I think he reconnected to the Force very intentionally, confronted Kylo intentionally, and I think he's going to take shape and raise life. And I think he's going to walk the Obi-Wan role now. So you think we will see him in the next one? He hasn't shaved yet, so I know that we'll see him. Oh, <laughs> yeah. check yeah, that seen... sleuthing out. Yeah. yeah, he hates the beard. So, yes, we're going to see ah. him again. Um, That's like the opposite of Superman uh, with the mustache <laughs> and the reshoots, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he hasn't shaved. We're going to see just... All right. So there will be a Skywalker in the next movie. Yeah. And it'd be interesting if he taunts Kylo. I mean, it's part of the reason why there's fan anger because Star Wars fans are known for throwing fits. It's (laughs) either the movie uh, didn't meet the imagined fan fiction fans created in their heads of what they thought was going to happen. Um, And I... I'm less sympathetic to that category. The group that I am sympathetic towards is um, uh, everyone who read the books for 25 years from the early 90s. And they were upset that it didn't conform to what they've loved and what, you know, from Mara Jade and all the books from all of those fans that kept the lights on for Star Wars, a lot of them are upset. And one of the guys that I went to elementary school with who falls into that category wrote on Facebook, Star Wars is dead to me. And that's, and that's really sad to see because uh, like he was there, he was there for decades and it upset him. So I feel bad for him, but you shouldn't expect the directors to uh, and the writers to do stuff that's completely predictable to be completely shackled in storytelling because of all the EU stories that took place. Uh, but I, I wish they would be more understanding, but I, I feel bad for, for fans like that because they're really hurt. And I, I wonder if, if Lucas had made the, so for one, I, I will go out there and say, you know, I'm not a shill and I have, uh, I 
am happy to, to list off my problems with the movie. I, I'm not uh, rubber stamping it by any means, but I don't understand the vitriol that's behind a lot of this, the, this anger. And, uh, you know, I wonder if Lucas had, created the movies in order so the prequels had come out in the 70s and 80s and so you saw obi-wan from his start you know as a young man a young padawan and then flash forward to the 2000s and you see him in a new hope uh go out the way he goes out to vader i would are, are those fans complaining about how obi-wan went out well no because you know the order makes sense and it makes sense for his character right um, if you're not prepared to be upset about how Obi-Wan went out and you can justify his decision to sacrifice himself to Vader, I think you can at least get behind and understand where Ryan Johnson took Luke. I, you don't have to like it and we can have disagreements and it's fine to not like the movie. Um, you know, it doesn't mean that you don't know Luke Skywalker. You're not a star Wars fan. If you, you dislike that direction, but you can't say that it, it makes no sense whatsoever for his character, to me at least. <clears throat> I, I agree with that. It's – I mean I walked out loving it, still love it, and you know, Star Wars makes me happy because I, I went in with the philosophy of I'm going to enjoy this because we're living in an age where we get one Star Wars movie a year and they're good. Yeah. yeah. It's let's go to Disneyland and we can see how Tomorrowland's been converted into Star Wars land. Huh. And, and if you want to get a nice deluxe lightsaber, you can. If you want to get an Imperial uh, garrison cap, you can. This is a magical time. Don't whine about it. Now, there, there, there's, I- there's a difference between constructive feedback and criticism. I mean, there are a lot of people who didn't like the uh, Canto Bite side story. And a uh, couple friends who were really good lawyers and really diehard Star Wars fans thought it was a distraction, just weird, and like they didn't care for it. And that's fine. I mean, like that's legitimate. I, I think the entire point of that was to have the kid at the end. I think that, which I thought was a great way to end the movie. But uh, yeah, feedback's one thing; hatred's another. Yeah. I and I you know I've like I've had this compulsion to defend the movie I think it's it's not out of a sense that you know I like I would like to convert people to to just cast off the stuff that they have problems with but I don't think that anything that was done in this movie is is to the level where it justifies walking away from the fandom and there are folks out there that have that like the movie and have been like, well, we'll see you later. If you want to walk away from star Wars because of this, then bye, we don't need you. But I, I think that that sucks. Like that sucks. If fans get so angry and they get so entrenched in their position and the response from the other side is you're wrong. You don't know these characters. You don't love star Wars. Like we love star Wars. So be gone with you. That's not the answer. And so I, you know, I, what I hope is that there are more civil discussions out there and that folks go back and see the movie again and, and give it another chance. Well, what I think is just so unique about this and what I think leads to having such strong opinions is, I mean, really, I can't think of anything else. This is such a unique situation. I mean, it started in 1977 and it started with episode four. I mean, so, you know, you had these three that everyone loved that my generation, Josh's generation grew up with from a small childhood. Then you had those original three or the, not the original three, sorry, but the first three, which quite frankly, I couldn't stand, but um, you know, it kind of got a new generation and you did have all these books and all this different stuff. And now you come along and we've got a whole new generation of kids growing up with a whole nother set of movies. I mean, so what, how far are we now? Are we now at 40 years from the original movie, right? With all these different kind of lives that it's had. So I just think it's so unique and that obviously, so you know, I get the strong feelings. I'm also assuming that most of those people with the really strong feelings right now will calm down. I have threatened to boycott many things out of initial anger and then totally give in. <laughs> You'll so, all 
be back in line for Han Solo. Exactly. So I'm like, so, you know, I just think it's because this is such a unique and crazy kind of thing that I don't think, you know, there's certainly like beloved books that years and years later become a movie. And so people are, you know, are close to the books, but this kind of odd thing where these weird movies and then their books and then their prequels and their sequels, it's a very unique and odd thing that I think does contribute to having very strong feelings about it because people have had decades to develop their theories about it. Well, it's like, that's a lifetime of investment, right? Yes. You get invested in characters like Luke. So I, I'm with you, Josh. I, I understand where that, uh, that anger comes from, but you know, you, you know, cause you, I, you can't I think, live like that. No. And which is why I have empathy for, you know, somebody, if they were the introvert and either high school or college, and they read Star Wars books and they loved the movies and like that was their thing that that was company for them that inspired them that that gave them joy and if then they're unhappy with the last jedi because it doesn't fit their model of what Luke Skywalker is and like that's sad and and I, I feel bad for them i i really do uh, but you can't be shackled in storytelling and because like what would be the point of making movies if everyone expected like what was going to happen and so which is why i appreciate ryan johnson taking some hard left turns that were big surprises um yeah and you know what i the, what i come back to is like what jessica the point that you made which is in reality in a few months we'll all be clamoring over solo and then Ryan, if you have a problem with Ryan Johnson, well, you know, in the short term, at least he's not directing or writing uh, the next episode. I got it that he's on the next trilogy, but that's a fresh start. So presumably he's not going to be working with characters that you've grown up with for 40 years. So, you know, give it a chance. I think that's a beautiful way to sum up Star Wars generally. Like, you know, we've all been with it. I think we've all stuck with it through the good times and the bad times and, we keep giving them a chance because at the end of the day, there are just some great stories that they tell. And, you know, those stories of the little guy triumphing over the big bad guy, good over evil. And we all need those kind of messages um, all the time, especially at this holiday season. when We should all think about doing good for our fellow humans and porgs. <laughs> well, just, so many people have had childhoods with Star Wars toys on Christmas morning. Mm-hmm. I remember being five and opening that ad ad and getting the snow speeders and just having a rip roaring good time uh, running around the backyard with my Y Wing and TIE Fighter. Those were good times. And the fact that we have parents today who grew up doing that, who are probably at Toys R Us right now getting some Star Wars toy for their kids for Christmas morning. That's a wonderful place that we, that we are in right now to, to have that, that world and have that reality. And I want to say kudos to Star Wars for giving more boys and girls out there the chance to get a Star Wars action figure that they can identify with, um, you know, more so. So I think it's great. We didn't talk at all about Rose. I adored Rose. Um, So, yeah, I think uh, I love what Star Wars is doing. I'm going to give this movie another chance. The kids, that's kind of one of our Christmas traditions, is to go see the new Star Wars movie. So we will do that. I think you guys have helped me see the right path here so i'm sure i'll appreciate it more this time around well that this movie also had star wars movie had the most female characters speaking to each other yes (laughs) they did quite well this time and not about boys unless they were bitching about poe that's a different (laughs) (laughs) and they get a pass for that one (laughs) yes (laughs) how many people did he just get killed (laughs) yeah (laughs) well that and we had Finn explaining to Poe and talking over Rose. How many times does that happen in the workplace? Yes. Yes, a lot. Yeah. 
But anyway, but no, we're going to focus on the positive now. I'm trying to be very positive over the holiday season. Um, so, so I want to thank you guys. This is, as always, a very special holiday treat to be able to talk Star Wars, especially with Star Wars experts such as yourself. You know, my friends always think I know way too much about Star Wars, and I'm like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I know nothing. Let me tell you about some people I know. It's a sickness. <laughs> Are you going to see it again, Thomas, uh, before it leaves the yeah. earth? Yes, I will. Uh, I, I got a couple more times in me as well. I need to go with, with the notepad out so I can actually write stuff down. Wow. Because I know there's stuff that I missed and stuff that, that happens. Like, ooh, I need to remember that. And because so much happens, it's easy to get sidetracked. Oh, yeah. Uh, to, yeah. To, to forget a, a key point because uh, this movie does have a lot that happens. Um, but before signing off, I do want to thank the – ABA Journal for recognizing us for having one of the best blogs for attorneys in the country and one of the best podcasts for attorneys in the country. It's nice having that double honor and thank you to the judges in both categories and everyone who nominated us. That really means a lot and thank you. It's, it's a wonderful feeling. Well, and thank you to um, Josh, obviously, for everything you do for the Legal Geeks. You carry us on your shoulders. But Thomas, I have to give you a special shout out and thanks for that great week of uh, blog posts leading up to Star Wars. So that was really great. So thank you for doing that. Oh, yeah. Get my nerd on. (laughs) Well, being the JAG officer, you have a different point of view than Jessica and I. And like, that's awesome to be able to to see that and to have that so yes those are great posts thank you so for everyone thank you for tuning in please rate us on itunes leave a review um also if you want to leave a comment on stitcher that's great too so that way we can try to respond and uh, thank you all and we really appreciate everyone who's been on our adventures for 2017 and stay geeky Stay geeky, America.